Praise God. Lord, just keep playing there for a second. I, I know that so many of, some of you know uh, and have been blessed to be under the ministry before of Sister Annie and uh, Bethany Outreach Ministries there in Alamo, who's been here at church before, but it's been a long time since she's been here. And we've worked missions with them throughout Mexico for years and years and years and years, you know, 30 plus years. And uh, one of the ladies that was such a foundational person in their, their church, Sister Maddie Baumgartner, uh, went home to be with the Lord two days ago. She was 87 and a uh, great woman, uh, amazing. But, uh, you know, she's been there 47 years in the ministry. And that's always a hard thing for any church to go through when somebody like that, you know, goes to be with the Lord. Now, she was an amazing person and uh, a strong, strong lady, pastored uh, one of the churches in Mexico. And this is years ago, 30 plus years ago, she was pastoring a church in Mexico and uh, was just crying out to the Lord because she couldn't speak good Spanish. And uh, she just, just is like, I can't communicate with the people, can't speak good Spanish. I, I can't hardly stand this, Lord. I know you call me to do this work. And when she went to sleep that night, she dreamed a dream. And the Lord touched her in her dream when she woke up the next morning, she could speak Spanish fluently. And always, when I was down there, I said, man, lay hands on me, man. I got to get my Spanish going better, man. Come on, put it on me. I need some help, you know, and stuff. She was just an amazing person. Saw miracles and miracles in her life. And, uh, but she's rejoicing in heaven today, but they're having her memorial service today. And so I told them that as a church, we would stop and pray for them and lift them up because they're a sister church to us. And so y'all just join your face with me. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just lift up all the members there at Bethany Outreach Ministries there in Alamo, Lord. And just stand with them in agreement today as they celebrate the life of Maddie, Lord, that they will feel the presence of your grace, your, your anointing upon them, Lord God to help them through this time of grief and sorrow of just losing us on this earth. But of course, Lord, they know that she's in heaven with you. But Lord, I just thank you for all the lives she touched, all the people she touched, that that ministry and uh, that she did with her life will continue on and on and on as it's just transferred from one to another to another. And so, Lord, we just stand in agreement with them as a church today and ask you to bless them abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, get your Bibles out. I want to share a word with you. Now, uh, Tracy, did you say something about the baptism next week? Okay, baptism, not next week. It's not next week. Get that out of your mind. It's not next week. It's September the 6th is we're going to have the baptism, which is actually Labor Day weekend. Brother Ivan's going to be here preaching. And I don't know, I just believe in God to do something special that day. Um, but I just felt like the Lord told us to do the baptism that day. So we will be doing a baptism right after church. We're not going to wait and come back. We're, no, we're just going to go. So if, you, you know, if, you, if you're going to faint, bring you a cheese sandwich you can eat you know, after church or whatever. But uh, we're going to go right over to the Kellners to their pool. The river is just too nasty. Uh, I don't want to have to pray for you that you don't get amoeba dysentery from going into the water. And so, you know. We're just going to go right to the, to the pool. It's going to be a great day. There's a lot of people already have said something to me, and so it's going to be good. Amen? So put that on your calendar. Anybody you know uh, that uh, you know, may want to uh, be baptized or have never been baptized, or maybe you just want to rededicate your life and you know, uh, be baptized, that's fine. So we're going to be there. We're going to be dunking, too. No sprinkling. 
you know, if you get sprinkled, it may have evaporated by now. You know, I may have to have a dunking, so, you know, whatever. No, I'm just joking. But that's how it was once. I was sprinkled, and I, re, I wanted to be baptized, dunked, and so that's what I did. But anyway, so prepare for that. It's going to be good. And like I said, Brother Ivan will be here that day with his daughter, Kendra. And so we'll probably do two services, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I don't know if they're staying for later than that. We'll just have to figure that out once they get here. So anyway, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I hope y'all were just bombing all this week, flying your prayer planes over, dropping your bombs, your prayer bombs this week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go watch the message from last week. Um, I, I believe agreement is important, and I believe as we pray, uh, I was having fun. You know, I was just having fun, just, just loosening truth and praying freedom and just you know, enlarging borders and just, you know, using that as a, as a focus for prayer. And so uh, I pray you were too. And so, you know, I, I've told you all this for the last few weeks and I have a hard time because I don't want to, I don't ever want to preach about a problem. I want to preach about what I know the Holy Ghost is talking to me about. And it's so easy nowadays to just pick a problem and preach on it. They're like everywhere. And so, I try to stay away from that, but some of the things have just got me plum irritated. And, and I told y'all that I'm just kind of gotten up on my soapbox for the last couple of weeks. And, and, and I, I just believe, God, that this morning what I'm going to share with you is not going, is, you're going to be able to receive it and use it in multiple areas of your life, just not what is going on in the world today, okay? Because I believe we're under attack. I believe that as churches were under attack, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to, to Brother Ivan yesterday, and he told me that there was a church that is a big friend of his in California, and, you know, that they were told to shut church down. You cannot have church. Whatever you do, do not worship, do not sing, you know, do not do any of this. And that, that he just talked to the church and said, what do y'all want to do? And they said, we're having church. And so, you know, it was a big church, about a 3,000-member church, and they said, we're having church. And so they just defied all the orders and are having church this morning. So praise God for those people that are doing that. But the church is under attack. And I'm telling you, uh, I'll just be honest with you. Listen to me. It's not the source of COVID. COVID does not come alive and start working in people once worship has, in, has been initiated. And that's the way they're trying to sell the thing. But the devil wants churches to shut up. The devil wants churches to be quiet. The devil does not want worship. And you've got to start to understand something. What we're going through right now is not a battle of political parties. This is not a battle of left and right, conservatives and progressives. Isn't, you know, it's, not, it's not that. That's just what it, it, it shows up in. But it's a battle literally right now between God and the enemy. Okay, The enemy wants us to shut down. The enemy does not want us to preach. He does not want us to, to pray. He does not want us to, to uh, sing and worship. But it's okay to go out and riot. It's okay to not social distance and rioting. It's okay to get out and have a riot and chant and shout and do whatever you want to while you're doing a riot because, see, it doesn't, the COVID doesn't become active in those cases. So I'm just saying we've got a lot of stupidity going on in the world today. And like I said, I, I, I was in, you know, I've been around animals all my life and raised animals. I understand how viruses work in, 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 in herds and things like that. So it's no different with humans. And so... It doesn't make any sense. So it's a direct attack upon the church. And the, the world is trying to get the church to be quiet. But I'm saying that we as a church, we have to become stronger. We have to become smarter. We have to, as, as Christians, we have to know what's going on. We have to see what's going on and be careful not just to get caught up in the fight 
and the anger and just begin to be spewing wrath out of our own mouth because then we've lost. That's not what God called us to do. Now, you've got to understand, you've got to understand God's perspective. God's not interested in economies. Now, just listen to me. Let me follow Mr. train of thought. God's not interested in political parties. God's not interested in, in this, that, or the other, okay? God's interested in people, humans. That's who God loves. He loves humans. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. God loves humanity. That means the crazy one and the nice one. He loves them, right? He wants to see everyone come to salvation. He wants to see everyone come to his presence and his fellowship. That's what God's interested in is people. Hello? So anything that is anti-people, that's not God. Are y'all with me? So it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle Paul told Timothy this is going to happen. He said, now the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, expressly says. That means he says it with a lot of emphasis. That's what that means. He shouts it. He wants to really get the point across. That in the latter time, some will depart from the faith. Well, if you're going to depart from the faith, that means you had to be in the faith. So that means there's going to be people that are going to be Christians that are going to then walk away from their Christian faith. Okay? Giving heed, this is what happened to them. They gave heed to, they listened to, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay? So right now on the earth, it's, being, it's happening. We're seeing it. We're seeing it more evident than ever before. It's always been around. Listen to me. There is going to be a person that is called the Antichrist. That a person, a human, a one, one individual who's going to be the, the leader of, of evil that comes to the face of this earth, and that's going to take place a person. But the day Jesus was resurrected, there became an anti-Christ spirit. That means any spirit that's anti-Jesus on the face of the earth at that time. Not the man, but the spirit, all right? And throughout the ages from the resurrection of Jesus till now, there are antichrist spirits working at, at all times, all right? The demonic spirits are working on the face of the earth, and there's all kinds of different ones working to try to do one thing, either to try to keep people from getting saved, knowing Jesus, or to get people that are in faith out of faith. That's their job. There's no sense getting mad at them. That's their job. They want to try to trip you up, try to trip the church up, try to trip Christians up, try to trip pastors up, try to trip everybody up, try to get people off with deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. It just happens. All right. Well, right now in my life, I've never seen it more evident than this than to just listen to people speak, whether they be politicians or whatever they are, mostly politicians because they're all on the news and you just listen to them and you're like, that is so wrong. I mean, it's like obviously evident. It's not like, well, it's just a it's just a shade off from white. I mean, it's way to the dark spectrum. Hello? I mean, it's like you're looking at it and you're like, How, what are you talking about? There's no way that even lines up with God or anything of God. That's totally off, right? And so to me, I'm just sitting by just like, no, look at the headlines of the paper. And I'm like, uh, that's not of God. That's not of God. That's not of God. That, oh, yeah, look at that story. That's of God. Now, that was a God deal. 
Oh, okay, they're not of God, not of God. That's a God deal, because it's just obvious. You just look at it, just examine it a little bit, and you're like, that's not God. So the spirit that we're wrestling with a lot in a lot of places right now, for the lack of a better terminology, I'm just calling a seducing spirit. And I want you to go to Proverbs 7, which is the plan this week. And as I was reading this over the, and the plan, it started leaping out to me, and I just got to thinking about it, and I was like, ah, I got to preach on that. I got a little of that go this morning. Come on, Holy Ghost. And I want to start reading Proverbs 7, verse 1. And you need to read this this week. Go through it. Meditate on it. Spend the whole week looking at Proverbs chapter 7 and asking the Lord to show you. But I want to start there on the message. It says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live as my, and my law as the apple of your eye. You know, maybe you should say that as the rocky road of your eye. Right? Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin. In other words, you want wisdom and understanding in you, okay? Family members. That you may keep me from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Now, it goes on and read, y'all can read the rest of that. But, um, you know, I mean, I have to be careful because it almost reads like a dirty story, you know, so I got to watch it this morning. I don't want to get accused of get cut off the internet because I'm doing something, you know, whatever. So y'all can read it at home. But of what happens to this young man walking down the street who gets seduced by this woman? Now, obviously, in the natural, that is possible. But what I want to talk to you today is not necessarily just about that physical uh, thing going on between the the young man and the woman, but about all the seducing spirits that wants to get us in fear. Okay? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm the kind of person that, you know, you, you... if I see something or watch over, you know, like it, there's always the thing about hyperinflation and you ought to invest in gold. Right? I mean, it's always out there. And so then I'm always thinking, oh, I don't have any gold. And then so being a redneck, I just always say, well, I'm just going to keep investing in lead, you know, and that's going to be the, the best thing. And use it as my precious metal. But y'all know what I'm saying? You're like, you're just going along and you're not thinking about anything. And then something like that hits you. You hear something, you're like, should I? Oh my gosh, what if? And then you go off. Okay, that's the wisp of a seducing spirit trying to get you over into fear. Or you get a text from somebody and, you know, texts are the worst in the world. You don't know what the, fa- the facial expression of the person was when they sent the text. And you can read a text wrong. And, and, you know, you read the text and you're like, well, what do they mean by that? Seducing spirit starts to come in, wants to get you over into anger, wants to get you into, you know, rage or whatever. This is what I'm talking about. The little whispers, the little seducing spirits that are just everywhere to get you off. Now, if you spend any time watching the news, which... I really suggest you not to. I mean, track the hurricane if you want to. But I mean, even the hurricane. Did you see the report on the hurricane? The hurricanes are coming. We've never seen two hurricanes like this. The two hurricanes are going to merge. It's going to become the enormous hurricane. It's going to tear up everything. Right? 
And it's like, I don't know, they're messing around out there. I don't even know what they're going to do, but they're not merging together right now and doing all this. But they've got to throw that out there. Death, destruction is coming. Why? Because you get in fear. And when you get in fear, you know what you do? You eat and you buy. Because most of us don't have any other way to do anything or deal with it, right? You know, you're not going to go cash out your, you know, $2 million, uh, you know, IRA and buy gold. Most of us just trying to make it, you know, week to week. And so you're just going to go do the only thing you can do, you know, Z. Buy something. And then you get that argument, might as well buy it. I mean, we're going to all be dead next week. I might as well enjoy it for a week. (laughs) So then what do you do? You go to Amazon because you can't put a mask on and go down anywhere else. So you go to Amazon, you order it off Amazon so it gets shipped in three days and Jeff Bezos gets richer. (laughs) It's a racket, folks. Hey, I got to say this, and I, I'll tell you something. This is this, is, this thing right here. This thing, I, I, I used to think it was, this is a real blessing for me as a pastor. It used to take me at least eight hours to prepare a message because I, I, I had to handwrite everything out. So I had a big notebook, and I would set all my, you know, I get my Strong's Concordance here, you know, and, and my, my Nays Topical Bible here, and I get my Bible in this translation, that translation, have it all spread out everywhere. This is true. My wife knows this. I'd never go anywhere on a Saturday because I had to start preparing on Saturday morning to get ready for Sunday, go through all this, looking up scriptures, finding all this stuff. Now I can do it in just literally, you know, moments on the computer because all of it's on an app. So I do like it for that. This thing's of the devil. <laughs> have you ever thought about this? Oh, Mr. Apple, he goes out there and sells us these phones and we pay for it. And then he turns around and spies on us and finds out what we're buying so he can sell that information off over here. And I paid for it. I paid for him to do that and him get richer. See, folks, I'm just telling you, we're the sheep. But I don't want to be led to the slaughter except by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be led to the slaughter by man. And so what I'm saying to you is there's these deceiving, seducing spirits around all the time, whispering and tickling your ears, trying to get you over, you know, in an argument with your wife or are worried about this, that, the other. OK, it just I mean, there's just it's just so much you could go off on that, but I don't want to go there. But let me show you this. Go to verse 21, Proverbs 7, 21. It says with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. That's the trouble right there is when you yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately she went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver. Now, you know what your liver does, right? What does your liver do? Filters out all the junk, right? Oh, so now you don't have a filter. Her seduction took your filter out, so you let all the junk in. As a bird... Hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is a way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. In other words, once you give heed to the seducing spirits and you start going down that path, you better grab hold of the power of the Holy Ghost to deliver you because you're headed down a road of hell. 
Worry has never brought me joy. Fear has never brought me joy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To get in fear over a matter has never brought me joy. All right? So now I want you to go to John chapter 8. The point of my whole message, I'm going to show you here at the end of this how to shut the ears of the seducing spirit so you're not going to get caught in. I'm going to show you how to do that at the end of the, at the, end of the message. That's where I'm headed. So y'all want to hang on. Go to John chapter 8, verse 1. Now, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, and he came again to the temple, and the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Now, when she had set her in the midst, he said to her, Teacher, this woman is caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground, on his finger, and he did not, as he did not hear them. So they continued asking him, and, raised, and he raised up, and he said to them, He who's without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. Again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the youngest. And Jesus left alone, the woman standing in the midst when they, and Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? No one has condemned you. Okay, so here are these religious leaders, and they're trying to catch Jesus in a trap. So what they're doing is they're taking the law, which should be a good thing, right? They're taking the word, which should be a good thing, and they're going to try to twist it so that they've got Jesus caught so that then they can say, see, you're not right. Now, what spirit is that? Think about that. These are the religious leaders. They're supposed to have a spirit of God. Does that sound like God at all? Let's manipulate a situation so we can get a man in trouble. Nobody's caring about the woman in her state. Nobody's caring or saying anything about the man who was committing adultery with her. None of that. So you can look at it and say, oh, well, gosh, that's right. You know, people can try to, the seducing spirit tries to mix everything up so you can't understand. Tries to get it to where, mm, who, the, I mean, really what's right? Because Moses did say this and we're supposed to keep the word and we're supposed to keep the law. This is what we're supposed to do. And I mean, she was caught in the very act and in the, in the very act. And oh, where was the guy? Oh, why was she? Oh, why did Jesus? See, you get yourself all confused in this, in this seducting, seducing spirit to where then in a minute you don't know what the truth is. And the enemy wants to do that. He wants to do that because then he gets you off track. Okay, skip down to verse 47, John 8, 47. It says, Jesus speaking, he says, He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Jesus goes through this whole thing in John chapter 8, explaining to them that you don't know what, you know, you don't know come here from Sikkim because you don't even, you're not even of the spirit of God. You're of your father, the devil. That's the only spirit you're hearing is, is the devil. Now, that's a bold statement. Jesus says, man, you're full of the devil, right? He says, you're not even hearing God. Now, these were the religious leaders. Man, these dudes are standing there with all this religiosity on them. They are, they, to be a Pharisee, you had to be able to, 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 to memorize the first five books of the Bible. You had to be able to read them forwards and backwards. You had to have all this knowledge and this understanding and this learning to, 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 of, of the word and all that. And Jesus says, you're the devil. So I don't know about you, but man, you start talking like that, that makes me feel like, who am I? Hello? 
These guys were scholars, man. And Jesus says, yeah, you know the word, but you're of the devil. So I'm just saying to you today, you should not be surprised if there's somebody who says they're a Christian, but they're really of the devil. If they were then with Jesus, they are now. Okay, it says there in verse 47, he who is of God. Everybody say of God. That's the Greek word, and it, it, the Greek word is ek, ek. All right? And it's an interesting word, because what that word means is the point whence action or motion proceed. It denotes, ex, it denotes exit or emission out of. In other words, when he says you must be, he, he who is of God hears God's word. He's saying he who's coming out of God, he who is, has, a, a, has a, a point of existence from God will hear his voice. You see, if your point of existence isn't from God, then you're not going to hear God's voice. If your point of existence is you wanted to relearn religiously or you wanted to learn the word so that people would be amazed at how smart you looked and how religious you looked, you started out from the wrong spirit. You're not of God. You're of the devil. Now, I want you to understand something, folks. <clears throat> I am kind of a black and white guy, you know, and I, but I can tell you in this matter, there is only two. There is no gray area. You are either of God or of the devil. You're not like neutral. They're of God or of the devil. No, they're just neutral. They don't really, you know, they don't know nothing. No, then that would mean you're not of God. You have no other choice. <laughs> are you following me? Either are of God or not. You can be a good person and still be not of God. Because it says of God means your existence comes from God. Doesn't that sound like being born again? Doesn't that sound like a John chapter 3? When Jesus says, most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit, spirit. So in other words, he says, you're either of the flesh or you're of the spirit. You're either of God or you're of the devil. You're either of God or of the devil. One of the two, where's your existence coming from? See, my problem is with so many political candidates is I don't feel like they're coming of me. I don't feel like it's we the people. I feel like it's how do they get wealthier, right? How do they get more power? How do they get more importance? I don't feel like it's coming as of the people. You follow me? This is what I don't trust them. But you got to be careful because, see, seducing spirits sometimes will try to get you to believe somebody that really is of God is not. And somebody who is not of God is so we have to be keen enough and of God and of the Spirit so that we can discern which is of God and which is not. Now, what he said in verse 47, John 8, 47, if you're of God, then you're going to hear his word. Because the same born again nature that's on the inside of you is going to either, either uh, what's the best word? It's either going to identify with it or not. 
Now, you know, some things in life, some things in life, you know, are easy to identify with, right? And, and, and some things are easy to identify as the devil. And then there's other things that you're out there, you're kind of like, what? Like, okay, let's just go with this one. Buying a set of tires. You know, it's a hard one to pray about and see which one is of God. Right? I mean, how, what are you going to do? You're going to read, you're going to go onto the website and read the pros and cons of the tire. Talk to your friends. But it's kind of hard to say, oh, God, which one is you? Because some of those things, I don't know if it matters. Sometimes maybe it is. Y'all following me. But then there's other matters that you just look at the fruit of a person's life and you can tell whether it is of God or not by the track record. Following me? Okay. But the only way you can do that is you have to, your position has to be to start out within a born again position of God. The Pharisees weren't. The Pharisees were from a position of becoming religious leaders because of the prestige and the appearance before man, not because they were of God. Jesus goes on, and he said in John 8, 31, he says, Jesus said to them, if you abide in my word and, my, and you are my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Okay, but wait a minute. The Pharisees knew the word. They knew the word. They could quote it forwards and backwards. They knew the word. So just knowing the word doesn't mean you're of God. Remember that Jesus said, he says, man, there's going to be those in that day that they're going to come to me and they're going to say, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We, We prophesied in your name, man. We did all these miracles in your name. He said, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. Wow. See, we're coming into a time right now, folks, that people... People are presenting themselves as they're godly, but they're not. And if the American Christian can't, the American born-again Christian can't discern what is of God and what is not, I want to tell you something, we're in trouble. And all I can do as a pastor, I've had to resolve myself to this, that you watching and you here in church, this group of sheep that the Lord has given me, that I'm going to try to preach to y'all, teach you, show you, get y'all the best and strongest I can because I can't really do much with the rest of the masses out there because I got no voice to them. Now, if God gives me a platform like Billy Graham and I get to go around, well, then that's different. But right now, this is all I can deal with. So I'm going to teach y'all, preach to y'all, minister to y'all, pray for y'all, do the best thing I can for this pile of sheep we got right here. This little flock. No matter what size they are, we're going to be sharp as razors. And if the whole world just goes to hell in a handbasket, well, then bless God, we're going to be standing on our little island fighting our way for the righteousness of God. And the rest of it, I can't do nothing with. Because when I, yeah, when I get to worried about everything else and get to say, oh, God, what are we going to do? And how are we going to do this? And whatever, it just, I get all, boom. That seducing spirit gets all over me. And I just want to crawl on my Harley and ride off in the sunset and say, I don't know what to do. Okay. But all I can do is just have y'all as sharp as you can to be the elite force that you can right here. And we do what we can do. We launch our prayer bombs. We bless everybody we can. We, we help who we can. We do what we can. And we stand before Jesus when it all comes down to it, you know, as the, the mighty 300 or whatever, you know. Okay. So just abiding in the words, not enough. Just knowing the words, not enough. You've got to be of God. 
Okay, so let's get into that a little bit more. <clears throat> look over at Matthew chapter 23. Let's, let's look at what Jesus said about these Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, Jesus starts laying it out about what these religious leaders, what they were doing wrong. This is Jesus spoke to the multitude and his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say, and they do not. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their little fingers. Now, I keep tying this in my mind as I'm reading this, I keep tying this back into politicians. All right. But he's talking about the religious leaders. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their placitories broad and enlarge their borders and their garments. They love the best places in the feast. They sit at the seats of the synagogue, greeting in their marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. So in other words, they're really worried about the appearance before men, not the appearance before God. For one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one, one is your father who is in heaven. Do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in to go in. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive a greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourself. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold of the temple or that sacrifice, or that sacrifices the gold? So he goes on here and he just keeps hitting them up and hitting them up. And if you realize something when you read through this and study it, what he's saying is, Jesus is saying what you did was, is you took the law, you took the word of God, and then you got out bits and pieces and then twisted it and turned it so that it would work an advantage for you. You made the doctrine suit what you wanted. Not let the word pierce your heart and convict you of what you were doing, and then you rearranged your life to be according to the word. You took the word and twisted it so that then you could make it mean what you wanted to so you could take advantage over people. Seducing spirit got to these guys and twisted it around. So then they became not of God, but they just had this knowledge of God, but didn't understand his power or anything else that God was and who God was. Amen? So now look back at chapter Matthew 22. Now here I'm going to get to the point. You say, well, it's about time you made the point. Well, that's what we preachers do. We like to spin it as long as we can till you're just about to go to sleep, and then we come back up with the thing that you have to listen to. <laughs> ah, it comes with the anointing. <clears throat> okay. Look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. 
Matthew twenty two thirty four. But when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here's the key. If you want to not be swayed by a seducing spirit, if you want to not be deceived in your life, the thing that keeps you centered in life is your love of God. Now hear what I'm saying. I don't love everything of God. I still am wrestling with forgiving my enemies. Dr. Brown, y'all need to go back and watch Dr. Brown's messages on Wednesday nights. He's challenged me and challenged me and challenged me. Till the other day, I was going to write him and say, you can't preach anymore. <laughs> I mean, he's over there telling me how to meditate on loving kindness. And I'm like, I don't want to meditate on loving kindness. I want to ride in on a white horse with a big rod. My point is, I'm still having to learn but I know in my heart that God is right. Are you following me? He says, love your enemies. And I realize that I'm, 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 I'm challenged and I'm not where I really need to be. I know God's right because I know so many other things in his word that are absolutely truth. And I love it. I love that God is a righteous God. No matter what the Antichrist or anything pulls off in this world, at the end, righteousness will prevail. I love that. I love that our God is just. I love that our God is righteous. I love that our God puts his word out there to help people, to bless people, that he loves people, that he has a great future for you. He has a great hope for you. He is a God that has mercy upon mercy for you. He's a God that loves you so much he'd send his own son to die for you. I love this about God. Are you following me? When I read the word, I'm like, oh, man. I love this. God, you're so good. Yes, I see that. Convict me. I see I'm wrong. I want to serve you. Down into my nor, in the center of my being, I love God and the things of God. I love the beauty that God's made. I love to walk outside, look at the trees and the, and the day and the sunsets and the, the sun rises and the stars in the sky. And look, and say, man, you're amazing that you just spun all this out in six days. I love to hear testimonies of what God has used people in doing and how great things that they're doing in y'all's lives and what y'all tell me and say, oh, God does it. I love that. I love how God does that. I love how God works it around always to the, your best. I love everything about God. I love all of his ways, even though they challenge me. Okay. Paul said it to, the, to, to Titus in Titus 1.15, probably the best that I could say it. He said, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those that are defiled and unbelieving, and nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience, they're defiled. They profess to know God in works, but deny him, being uh, abominable and disobedient, disqualified for every good work. So in other words, if you keep your heart pure, loving God, well, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to be able to sense the seducing spirit. If you don't, if you get deceived and say, hey, you know, I know God says that, but is there a way around that? Then you're going to be like the Pharisees. You're going to get yourself in trouble because you're going to start heaping up 
you know, your own Bible and things that are wrong till you get yourself off to you don't believe what the word says anymore. Hello? We've got to be careful. We've got to keep our hearts pure. So when God says, forgive your enemies, well, then I'm going to forgive them, even though I don't want to in my flesh forgive them, but I'm going to because I know that that's going to produce victory. When God says, be joyful in tribulation, I'm going to say, I don't know how to do this, Lord. I've never been joyful in tribulation. I just gripe louder. And so I'm going to change my ways because if you said that there's a reason for it, because I want joy in my life, which is who you are. Are you following me? You got to keep your heart pure. And when you keep your heart pure, then the rest of it just becomes boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I want to give you one more scripture here. John, go back to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 51. Jesus made a statement to the Pharisees there in John 8 that just blew their minds. It blew their minds. And they were just like frothing at the mouth because they couldn't see what Jesus was saying. But I want to show it to you. John 8, 51 says, Most assuredly, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. And they went, what? What do you mean never see death? I mean, we're all going to die. Everybody's died. They're going to die. here. What do you mean never see death? Jesus made this statement to him. But think about what death is. Death is separation from God. And Jesus said, I'm making a new way here, guys. And y'all don't even see it. That when you're not ever going to, you're not ever going to be separated from God. If you keep your heart pure and you stay there, nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's going to keep you on there. So he goes on, he says, then the Jews said, we know that you have, you have a demon. Abraham's dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone is, uh, keeps his word, he shall never taste death. Do you realize what they did? They called Jesus a double. Because why? They were so deceived. Folks, listen to me. You go through the scriptures and you just want to see to see the Pharisees were. A man gets healed in church and they're mad because they healed on the Sabbath. Nobody rejoiced that the man got healed. The woman comes in, bound, uh, bent over and bound by Satan, Jesus says, and he heals her and raises up and they get mad because he healed on the Sabbath and nobody rejoiced that the woman was healed. The guy at the, at the, at the pool gets healed and they get mad at him because he's carrying his bed. Nobody rejoiced that the man got That's how deceived they were. We don't care your hand got healed. You're not supposed to be healing on the Sabbath. It's working. And I'm like, man, you, you just boys just eat up with stupid, you know? You, you, how could you not see that was God? Even the blind man that got healed, right? And he says, man, I don't know, but all I know is I was blind and now I see. And they said, well, this it can't be of God. And he's smarter than they are. You see, he had enough sense in him, enough purity in him to say, I don't really know what you guys are talking about. I don't know the, the doctrine of the word that much, but all I know is I was sick and now I'm healed. He's got to be the Messiah. And he went to Jesus and, and gave him his life. And what's going to happen in this day is I believe the Christian church is about to rise up. And there's going to be a lot of people rising up in the church. And they're going to be rising up and saying, look, I don't know what's going on here. And I don't know what kind of dumb doctrine you came up with, Pastor. And I don't know what's going on over here. But all I know is I was blind and now I see and I love God and I'm going this way. I believe it. I believe it. I believe the church is about to rise up. I believe there's that remnant in every church and they're about to rise up and they're about to say, we've had enough. Preacher don't preach like that anymore. We'll get another one. Because preachers who preach lay me down to sleep messages, haven't told people the truth, haven't preached about Jesus, haven't told people how to get saved, tried to keep a, just a, a good, happy dog and pony show going on so that people will come and give money. 
I want to tell you all this because I'm bragging on y'all. I don't, I, I'm bragging on y'all and I'm bragging on God because it doesn't have anything to do with me. Through this time of COVID, going through with all the church being shut down to where that's all I had to look is that board of people on the back on the wall, having nobody else in the church, being here totally by ourselves with just a few praise and worship people. And then going through all of this, I, 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 the, this church has, I don't know, we, we have increased financially more than we ever have in any year. How does that work when you got nobody in church, but the church is increasing? And I'm hearing stories of other churches that are just about to close their doors down because they just can't make it because they're just going down, down, down. We're giving money. We, I, I gave away $10,000 this week just to help the churches in Mexico. I just said, here, have some money. We got, we got more we need. Here's some. Take this. It's a great time for me as a pastor. I'm just sitting back saying, Wow. Look what God is doing. People out there watching. God bless y'all. Y'all have been watching, sending in offerings. I, I, you know, I've never got to meet you. I've never shook your hand, but yet you're, you're calling us your church and I'm your pastor and you're sending in offerings. And I don't know these people. Tell me God's another God of miracles. I love that. I love being in a tight spot and God comes in and does a miracle. It's like, yeah, look at our God, what he can do. Man, he can make, make bread out of rocks if he has to. All right. So Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, you're not going to see death. And like that can't be because, see, they were all off. But I believe there's a remnant of the church going to rise up and there's a remnant of the church says we love God. We love righteousness. We don't like looting and rioting. We don't like all this stuff going on. We want righteousness. And the church is going to rise up and then they're going to have to listen to us because there's going to be enough of us standing out in the streets and that's enough because it's ridiculous. There's no way that's God. That's what we're going to say. There ain't no way that's God. You go tear up somebody's building, catch that thing on fire, steal everything, and then go out and say, ah, their insurance will pay for it. That ain't God. That is of the devil. Hello? But the church has got to rise up, and it's going to rise up in the hearts of those people who love God inside their heart, who are truly born again. Now, the ones that don't, well, then just go ahead because it says there's something in here about weeping and gnashing of teeth. So just get over on the corner and weep and gnash because you need to get right with Jesus. All right. I'm not going to put up with you anymore. Let him do it. So Jesus turns and he says to these guys, he says, you know what? You've got a demon. Now he tells them you got a demon. And so anyway. They said, Abraham's dead. Everybody's dead. Everything's going on here. And so then Jesus says this, and just listen to what he says, because this is the end. Uh, I don't know what verse I'm in, but he says, you are greater than our father Abraham, who's dead, and the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God, yet you have not known him. You've not known him. You're not of God. You don't know him. But I know him. I'm of God. I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father, Abraham, listen to what he says here, rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said, what are you talking about? You're not even 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Now, here we go. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, 
before Abraham was, I am. In other words, he used the name of God. He said, look, I was there with Abraham. I am. I was there when the world was created. I am. If you don't love me and can't get along with me, you're not going to get along with God the Father because I'm God the Son and I am. I am his, the, the presence of Almighty God. I am his name. I am everything. And if you can get along with me, whoo, you sure ain't going to get along, Papa. Okay? Now, the name of God, you know, I did a message a few uh, uh, um, weeks, months, I don't know how long it goes about, about you talking about the, this name, I am. But listen to me, what it, what it really means, the word I am, it's really what this is all about. When he said, you are of God, that your existence came from me, the word I am is the word Jehovah, Yahweh, the one that, 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 that means the personal name of God. It means his power, his presence, and who he truly is. Think about this, sin. Jesus is saying, if you love God, you love me, you love my ways, it causes you to enter into that place of being right there personally with God in his presence and in his power. And that's where you're going to find joy and peace. See, the world wants to get us all stirred up, frothing at the mouth, mad. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus says, just come on and get be of me and come over here with me and get in me and of me. And when you do that, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to be in my presence and my joy. Because I'm telling y'all, church, right now, God is not sitting in heaven, wringing his hands, saying, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the elections? Oh, what are we going to do about the post office? They can't even get a letter out. I mailed a letter in Utopia going to Sabnown. It took two weeks to get there. I'm not joking. It took two weeks. A guy kept calling me and I said, listen, I know it sounds terrible, but it, the check's in the mail. I said, if you don't get it, give it another week. Took two full weeks to get from Utopia to Sabna, 20 miles down the road. Should have carried, could have carried it on a water faster than that. Forget the Pony Express. Get one of them little old Starback burros and just go down there. You could have got there quicker. And they're going to cast... They're going to carry my vote from here to Washington? <laughs> yeah! Anyway, God's not up there wringing his hands saying that. God's not up there saying, oh, what are we going to do with the COVID virus? Oh, Jesus, what are we going to do? He is not upset, folks. I'm telling you, God's going to work out his plan and his purpose. All I'm telling us is we need to be the cheerleaders that are the remnant that rise up on the side of God and is sitting there saying, I'm of God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to wave the flag. I'm going to stand for God. In God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. And that's who we need to be. And you need to get this, this seducing spirit that's coming around doing the hoochie-coochie dance over here, trying to get you over there into fear and all that kind of stuff. Just go. Pfft. Just. Pfft. You don't entice me at all. I'm not, even, I'm not even interested in your belly dancing skills over here. I'm staying on the things of God here. Just look over and say, man, you ain't even cutting the mustard anymore over there, you know? I'm serving God. I am of God. I love God. I'm pure. I want to keep myself because to the pure, all things are pure. That's what keeps us on track, folks. So don't get in a tizzy. Just put it out on the table with the purity of your heart, loving God, and let the Holy Spirit show you and divide it all up and figure it all out. All right. Amen. Amen.
Remember, it's the thief who wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy. God's not coming to bring division and strife and, and turmoil in your life. That's only there if you're not right with God. Amen? So put your Bibles up. And let me have my prayer team come down. I want to ask everybody to stand up. For those of you out there watching today, listen to me. I, I'm telling you, if you don't know that you are of God, that you, your existence comes from him, if you don't know that your heart's pure, within, then I want to pray with you. I want to ask you to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. That's all it takes. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you'd confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you'd be saved. That's what you have to do. You have to ask him to come into your life. And it's a simple prayer. It really is not the words that I say. It's what by faith comes from your heart. So if you're out there or if you're in this room, if you're in here, we have a prayer team up here and I want to pray with you. If you're up here for the first time giving your heart to Jesus, listen to me. Today's not the day to be messing around. If you're not sure, you don't know, well, then I, you know, I, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. But I want to lead you in just a prayer for all of those of you that are out there in the video, the viewing audience. And I just want you to ask, just, just stretch your faith out right now and just pray. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to, to be a part of me right now. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me a new person. I want to be of God. Lord, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And as you prayed that, I just believe with all faith, just sit there and meditate on it. Let the Spirit of God touch you and find out what it is to be born again. If you're in here, I want to pray for you up front. If you're if, if, if today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we've got the prayer team up here. I'll be up here. I want to pray with you and, and lead you to the Lord. And I believe that God's going to do a new thing. Amen. For the rest of us, I want to pray with you right now over every one of you that, folks, you take this message and you share it with somebody. You be able to help people get out of this fear and this confusion and all the things that this seducing spirit's putting on people. Look at them and say, well, do you love God? I say, what? Well, I go to church. Yeah, but do you love God? Well, well what do you mean do I love God? I don't know. I'm asking you, do you love God? Do you love his ways? Well, I don't know. Well, let's pray. Great way to get people introduced to the, to, to the Lord, amen? Just ask them. You love God? I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. Well, they don't cut no mustard. I ain't talking about that. You could be a Pharisee then, right? I didn't say anything about the Baptist. Don't write me a letter on that. But you follow me. Just say, you love God. Boom. Get them, amen? But I want to pray over you. So, man, just open up your heart right now. Father, I just declare over this congregation, over all those out there listening and watching today, I just believe you, Lord, right now for the power of your spirit to be upon each and every one of them. I believe you, Lord God, that we can be the greatest evangelists in the world for you. We'll be that remnant that'll keep preaching the gospel. We'll keep telling people, do you love God? Do you love God? Because we know that if you keep things pure... Lord, to the pure, everything's going to be pure. And so, Lord, I just ask you right now to bless them. I ask you right now to touch them. I ask you right now, Lord, to give us divine appointments through this out this week. Let us run across everybody out there that doesn't know you so we can get them saved, Lord. We can tell them about you. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless them exceedingly abundant beyond they could even think or ask, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. And amen. God bless you, church. Go get them.